0: God, in the name of your precious son, Jesus, we just bless you on this glorious Resurrection Sunday. Oh, God, we just thank you. Oh, God, that you, Lord God, Jesus has risen from the dead. Recording in progress. We just honor you and glorify you on this magnificent day, oh, God. Oh, Lord, and as we again enter into your presence, oh, God, we pray and ask right now in the name of Jesus that the resurrection power of Jesus, who died on the cross, For our sins and our transgressions would come alive, Lord God, in our spirits and in this service, O God. Let your anointing fall afresh on each and every one. Bless those who are attempting, Lord God, to come online to this platform. And as we again celebrate, reflect, and remember the precious gift, O God, of your son Jesus. Let us again just worship today, Lord God. Again, keeping in mind that you are the Christ, the Savior, the God of this world. And as we again enter again into your presence, God, we ask in the name of Jesus that every song, every meditation, every scripture, and every, Lord God, word that comes from our mouths on this day, God, be edifying and glorifying and pleasing unto the Father. We bless your name and thank you for how you have provided safety throughout the week, O God. You've provided, O God, a measure of grace and Lord God, love and kindness as our bishop, Lord God, has crossed many seas, God, and many miles for this mission trip. We just thank you how you have covered him and how the welcome, oh God, was just amazing, God, and how the work has begun. And as he puts his hands to the plow, oh Lord Jesus, give him again an infusion of strength, oh God, might, power, and your anointing, oh God, to complete this mission trip. Bless again each and every one that's on this platform, and let us again just open our hearts and our minds to receive what thus saith the Lord, the bread of manna from heaven. We bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen.
1: Amen, amen. This morning, I will read scripture from Mark 16, verse 6, and I'll be reading from the King James Version. and it reads, and he saith unto them, be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Praise you glorify your holy name we lift you up we magnify you you are lord of lords and you're king of kings you're the most high one and only true god and we lift you up we give you glory honor and praise for all that you do for us day to day we thank you oh god we magnify you. holy 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 jesus We're welcome in your presence, God. We ask, Lord Jesus, just that you come, Lord. You keep us in your holy will, your holy way, order our steps, God. We magnify you on this day. I love you, Lord. And I. said, Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you Jesus. All I saying, yes. in the holy, holy, holy is your name. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Please Thank you, Jesus. And on holy ground. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, you, Jesus.
0: Praise the Lord, Azusa International Ministry Alliance. Holy Resurrection Sunday to each and every everyone on behalf of our Bishop Benjamin Nelson and the Azusa International Ministry Alliance, we welcome you today to our worship. Perhaps you're joining us by way of Zoom, the conference line, Facebook, or even YouTube. Azusa International Ministry Alliance is where we serve Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will find that our ministry is mission we are outside of the four walls, so perhaps you're seeking a church home where you will be afforded the opportunity to utilize your God given gifts talents and abilities to the glory of God. Please consider Azusa we have various ministries to include our prayer ministry health and wellness veterans grief and loss youth homeless and benevolence. We would ask that you would join us for 30 minutes of midday prayer Monday through Friday via our conference line from 1130 a.m. to 12 noon. And then on Wednesday, we have an opportunity to, again, feast on the Word of God right in the middle of the week. Uh, We have an interactive Bible study also by way of our conference line, and that is 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. weekly. Friday night, our interactive Bible study. We have been totally just blessed. Um, We have taken a little little, uh, pause on overcoming familiar spirits, which is our book reading. And now we are working with our um, uh, pastor Tiffany and we are graced by uh, a series eight weeks. And this series is Christian entrepreneurship. And the first night was friday and i'll tell you if you are an entrepreneur or god has given you insight and fortitude to become an entrepreneur this series you do not want to miss we started at 7 pm and this is by way of our zoom Uh, please feel free to join us and you will hear from uh, again leaders and individuals that are actually joining our platform to uh, share experiences view the video of Christian entrepreneurship and how it cannot just be a blessing. But what was interesting that I learned was that entrepreneurship is worship, where God will take the God-given gifts, talents, and abilities that he has instilled in each one of us and use them, of course, for the upbuilding of his kingdom. Uh, Very, very powerful. And you want to surely, again, join us on Friday night uh, for uh, this segment, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., And then on Saturday evening, yet the door is open again for an opportunity for our sweet hour of prayer from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., also by way of our conference line. Tuesdays and Fridays are dedicated, of course, to our fast days. This is corporate fast. And, of course, we ask that you would be led by way of the Holy Spirit for the details that are suitable unto you. We have our missions and family and friends today. This is every third Sunday. Sunday. Please invite someone and share what Azusa International Force, where Gospel Church is not just doing here in the United States, but with our partnerships in Sierra Leone, Nigeria, Bahamas, India, Haiti, Kenya, Pakistan, Cuba, Mexico, Suriname, and domestically Alaska. And we just bless God. We are rejoicing with our bishop, uh, uh, Benjamin Nelson, who right at this point, and right at this moment is in Kenya. So you'll hear more details as he, again, gracefully moves in the direction the Lord is calling him in for the next week and a half for international missions. So we ask that you keep him in prayer. As again, he partners with our brothers and sisters, baptizing, Christianing. I mean, he is truly, truly working for the Lord with our dear brothers and sisters. Again, keep him in your prayers as he travels as well. We want to thank you for your continued giving, not just of your time and your talent, but of your financial donations. We thank you for using our cash chat tag, which is dollar sign 1906 Azusa. And we ask that if you're going to continue to do so, please designate where you wish to have your funds allocated, whether it's ties, mission, building fund, next-gen, etc. Up and coming, we would ask that you would mark your calendars. And we will be celebrating with the Foursquare International Church, 100 years of ministry, miracles, and the movement of God through the Foursquare Church in the United States and around the globe. The dates that you want to consider If you wish to attend, are May the 29th through June 1st, 2023, in Anaheim, California. This is, again, a commemorative moment, and you don't want to miss it. Again, those dates are May the 29th through June 1st, 2023, Anaheim, California, and this is the Foursquare Connection 2023. We ask that you would also mark your calendars for upcoming services with our ministry and we know of course today we are celebrating a resurrection sunday and we just bless god for the opportunity yet to again bless the lord in this time of resurrection and of course what he has done through this holy week we ask that you will continue to keep our ministry in prayer as we move again in the direction that the lord has called us to to go We thank you and again we ask that you would govern yourselves accordingly and be with us on sunday may the 28th as we celebrate pentecost sunday and we will again be on our zoom platform of course this pentecost uh celebration is a christian holiday which takes place on the 50th day after easter sunday and it's going to commemorate the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and other followers of Jesus while they were in Jerusalem. Again, Sunday, May 28th, we will celebrate Pentecost Sunday. We ask that you would take these uh, announcements uh, in mind and let us govern ourselves accordingly. Welcome to our worship.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Well, I'd like to give a warm welcome to our uh, visitors on today. They're no strangers to me. And I thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, Prophetess, pastor, teacher, Charlene Brown, and and I even want to say, can I say deacon or evangelist, uh, Jonathan, right? Because you share the word too everywhere you go. So thank you so much for you guys for joining us today. So I'm going to, for lack of bandwidth on this Zoom, I'm going to close my camera. We're going to move into our faith statement. I would ask that those that wish to join us, please unmute your mics because this is a reading, responsive reading. I will read the first uh, line and then I will invite you all to read the second one. So again, if you wish to participate, then please unmute your mics. Thank you so much. We believe the Bible is God inspired. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen.
0: We believe God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians thirteen and fourteen.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We believe. That man was created in the image of God, but that by voluntary disobedience he fell from perfection. Romans 5, verse 12. We believe
2: that while we were
1: yet sinners,
2: Christ died
0: for us. Thy name is the pardon of all who believe on Him. 3, 16, 3, 5, 8.
1: We believe that we have no righteousness and must come to God pleading the righteousness of Christ. Ephesians 2, verse
2: 8. We believe that upon Jesus' repentance and humble acceptance of Christ we justify
0: justified before God. First John 7, 1, Nine.
1: We believe that the change which takes place in the heart and life at conversion is a very real one. Second Corinthians five, verse seventeen, Galatians two, verse twenty.
2: We believe that. It is the will of God, God. And he and he that we
0: be growing constantly, constantly in the faith. Hebrew six, six one. And one.
1: We believe that baptism by immersion is an outward sign of an inward work. Matthew twenty eight verse nineteen. We believe in the commemoration of the Lord's supper by the symbolic use of the bread and juice of the vine. First Corinthians 11, 24, and
0: 25. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to renew believe the believer with God. God, and his effect is in coming, after the same name same. as in Bible days. Acts
2: 2.4 and 4.
1: Now, if you will all join me, we believe that it is the will of God that we walk in the Spirit daily. Ephesians 4, verse 30 and 32. All right, amen, amen. Now, as I transition, Anna, may I ask for one more selection, please? We have
2: come into this house together in his name and worship him. We have Come into this house together in his name and worship him. We have come into this house together in his name to worship Christ our Lord. Worship him. Christ our Lord. So let's forget about yourself. Concentrate on God and worship Him. Just forget about yourself. Concentrate on God and worship him just forget about yourself concentrate on god and worship christ our lord worship him christ Ah
1: Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Anna, I do apologize and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that was in a last minute request there. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. So now if we would govern ourselves accordingly, our word for this morning is going to be entitled, none other than Resurrection Day. And the Lord has been, um, I guess, getting on me as far as my obedience is concerned, because I was concerned about spring break and our children taking spring break and not understanding the purpose of spring break. And then I started tussling within my own spirit to say, the Lord, this looks like to me that if they don't know about it, but they are celebrating, you know, the eggs and the bunnies and everything, the fertility part of it, and they're out of school, and all of these festivities go on during this time, then it appears that the government has won you know because they they they're still doing what they want to do during this time frame and not putting the true reason for that break in front of them i said it's a time where the parents normally take off and they they travel and like i said the the local governments uh you know the, the schools and stuff take their breaks and oh my goodness traffic gets worse Um, because everybody's trying to go everywhere and downtown is so crowded. And I'm like, but do they really realize why they're taking this break? Has the government given this to them to look at all the colorful festivities that are going on? And then I had to do, you know, the shine the spotlight on yourself and ask my own grandchildren, did they know? why they're on Easter break or did they understand what that meant because they call it spring break now, you know? And I said, so what takes place on that Friday? And then what takes place every day during the week that we as Christians commemorate? And Pastor Christine preached last week on Palm Sunday. And since, you know, a lot of the churches have been closed and everything, we don't even go into the church and get the palms anymore. But then we talked about it last week and said, well, what did we do with the palms anyway? You know, yeah, sometimes we would tie them like we do balloons, you know, and put them in the different figures and everything. And then we may sit them in the house or half the time, just leave them in the car and just let them dry out. And then we toss them away. But do we upon receipt of them, even Recall the significance of it once we leave fellowship or the building, I should say. So today I want to share with you all the marvelous things that had to take place since we last met last week. And Palm Sunday, Jesus rode in on a donkey. And today we even frown upon a donkey, right? Mm, you know, we, we call it names or we may, you know, we may, even, we may call it names. You all know the name, right? Or we may just say, oh, they're dumb, they're stupid and so on and so forth. But an animal that we frown upon today, back then, it was an animal fit for a king. To ride in on actually during that time frame, and upon his arrival on that Sunday, as he rode in on the donkey that was designated for him to ride in on, the people started taking off their jackets and or I should say their their robes and started laying them down and when they ran out of garments to lay down so that his path you know like we roll out the red carpet nowadays for people so that his path would be clear and his path would be uh, pure for him to come in on then they started grabbing the palms from the branches from the palms to lay down on the road as he entered into the capital city Of Jerusalem. Yes, this was his arrival. And at the time, it was the arrival of the king. They anticipated a king and he was riding in on a donkey and they celebrated him for his arrival and they sang the song. We all know it. Yes, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Most High, right? So this is how he arrived. And if you would, go with me to Mark 11, and I'll share with you from the scripture there. So what could have happened? Because he arrived and they celebrated him. But it just, like today, kept bothering me. And I kept thinking, what could have transpired within less than a week? So they changed their minds What possibly happened to have them change their minds in such a short time? So in Mark 7, I'm reading from the King James Version, we begin with, Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and he went into the temple. And we all know that when he went into the temple, he found a lot of things that he was not expecting. Well, we know, we know he knew, right? He already knew, but this public display of what was not supposed to be taking place in the temple. And as he looked around at all the things and, and it was getting late, he he went on into Bethany with the 12 disciples, but he was distraught at what he saw. And as we move on to Matthew, I'm going to switch now to Matthew 21. It tells us, well, let me back up just a little bit. He was very disappointed, right? So on that Monday, because he rode in on Sunday, it was late. He's like, okay, I need to get some rest now. Monday, he went back and he entered into the Holy Temple. Now I'm picking back up in Matthew 21. And he and to be greatly disappointed at what he witnessed happening, this was his first public act as he entered the space where humanity, we were supposed to be able to meet God in this temple. But yet when he got there, that's not what he saw. They were having, for lack of better terms, a flea market in this space. So in his rage, and I tell people, I said, Jesus got mad. He he was in the flesh like us. I think for me, it would have been a temper tantrum, what we call a temper tantrum nowadays, you know, because I'm walking in and I'm like, what are you all doing, right? So in his rage, he threw them all out of the temple because this was no longer to be the place of filth, but at his sacrifice, it would now become clean at his sacrifice. So put a pin in that part right there. And now let's read out of Matthew. Follow me, Matthew 21 and 12. Then Jesus went into the temple. See, I want you to make sure that you're not just taking my word for it. So I'm going to give you that scripture to back it up as well. So you'll have that reference. So then in verse 12, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all of those who brought in soul in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, the money changers, In the temple and the seats of those who sold doves. Money changers. Come on, you guys. You know what a money changer is? You know, today (laughs) we would basically call them gambling in the church. Come on, you guys. Money changers. Mm, What are we doing here? Money changers in the temple. So then that was Monday. By Tuesday, he cursed the fig tree. Now, the fig tree was right outside of the temple. The temple was supposed to be a place where we could go to be restored and and, and feel the presence of God. And outside of this temple was supposed to be a humongous fig tree, a tree for lack of better words, a tree that was vibrant and showed life, right? But when he passed this fig tree, he was disturbed because this fig tree didn't have any figs. So now this disturbed the disciples when they saw that he passed the fig tree and he cursed it. And the disciples, they wondered why he would be so cruel to a fig tree. So of course, this is why I like Peter too, because Peter was like, he's like the only one bold enough to ask Jesus. You know what I mean? But but without understanding The significance of the fig tree at that time, it was, like I said, it was supposed to be that symbol for the presence of the temple because it stood right outside of the temple and yet it was barren, but many overlooked this part that the fig tree was supposed to be bearing fruit. And when we are fruitful, we are what? Full of life. What do we have? The gifts of the fruit. That means we are sharing, we are glistening, we are glowing, and you can see the light of life shining through us. And yet this fig tree was rotten. It was rotten to the core. It did not bear any fruit. And it was right there in front of the temple. So he cursed the tree to die as if it was lifeless, already lifeless right there in the front of the temple and made for man to worship. He knew he would soon become just like that fig tree, but the disciples didn't know this at that time, right? So he cursed that fig tree and he put himself in place of that fig tree in days to come, that life. He was supposed to represent the life that the fig tree, he would, excuse me, put himself in the place of representing the life of that that fig tree was supposed to be representing. And it was made in that temple for worship, as he knew he would soon become what the fig tree and the temple were to be, because right now they were dead. They were dead, and they were not revealing the source of life that they should have been revealing. So now if you'll follow me, I'm going to give you the scripture to back it up. Like I said, I'm going to mark now 11 and 13, and then I'm going to move down from 13 to 21. All right. And it reads, and seeing from afar, a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on, on the fig tree. When he came out to it, when, excuse me, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. However, it was in front of the temple and it was supposed to be A replica of life. All right. So then moving down to verse 21. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So not only did he have to go into the temple to set the record right, he had to also deal with that fig tree. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt within his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever you ask when you pray. So we can go back to the temple and the fig tree and just imagine that Jesus said, Lord, this isn't right. And I need life to return back to this temple. That was his prayer. So therefore, he is believing and asking and it is being done. So, as we move down to verse 25, it reads, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against any anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, this was dealing with Jesus too, because we, like I said earlier, when he went into that temple, he was mad. He got mad, but he had to forgive them. One, because he knew his mission. Two, he knew he could not harbor that that illness, that unforgiveness in his heart to continue with his mission. So he prayed and he believed and things would be changed as we know they were. But as we move on from that Tuesday to now Wednesday, remember, we're still in Holy Week. We're still in spring break for our children, not even knowing this history of what has taken place. But by Wednesday, it is apparent that he was now, not the king that they accept they anticipated because now he's not going along with the program. Can 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 I be clear there? He is not going along with their program. He's coming in and sharing truth. He's coming in and turning things out. And now the government is starting to look at him. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, those that are supposed to be the lawmakers and the law keepers. Back then, they're starting to look at him because this was okay with them. They were pleased because it was pleasing who? The government. It was pleasing Rome with what they were doing. But he's coming in and supposing to be the king. And they're like, wait a minute. What, wh- whose king are you? What king are you when you're coming in and you're turning things upside down? This is not what we anticipated. Although by his works, some knew, some knew him to be the son of God, because they had watched him from afar. You know, he has spies also, right? That, that were following him, not just within the disciples to be defeated, but he had other people, other spies that were following him along the way that were taking word back to the government about the things that he was doing. So keep in mind, this is also the day that we know Judas is starting to have these thoughts about betraying him and the day that the woman is coming to anoint his feet, which Judas viewed as a waste. He he was like, why why are you putting this, this perfume on his feet? Do you know how much money? Remember Judas was his treasurer, right? Judas was the one that counted the money and kept the money. And we would say, wow, of all people to betray him for money. So Judas is looking at this perfume and saying, do you know how much money I could get for that? Why are you wasting it and putting it on his feet? And so it is clear to say that the people were torn and they were confused because they thought he was coming in as a king, that he was going to rule in their favor, but yet he comes in and he starts disturbing things. He he starts disturbing things. He starts, you know, turning things around. He starts trying to put things back in decency and order according to the word to which the Pharisees knew by heart They 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 could recite it. Yes, but they were not living it. So now he was making everyone think about some things. They were getting upset. Can you imagine? I mean, look at what's going on in our world today. When we look at the government and we look at, we work for the government. We are obedient citizens for the government. But yet every time we turn around, the government looks like it's taking something from us, right? So now Jesus is coming in and they're like, well, you were supposed to be the king. We thought you were going to overrun, you know, like Rome or whatever, but that we were still, they're still looking at the physical. They're still looking at things in, in, in from what they can see and touch. So they're expecting this king that's going to come and fight Rome and, and give them freedom and, and give them all these other things. But no, he's coming back to bring them God to save their souls, not their physical bodies to give them things. He's coming back to give them gifts of love and peace. And they can't recognize this right now. And they can't take it. They can't understand it. But at the same time, the Pharisees are getting upset because he knows the word too. And he's wrecking havoc in what their norm is, right? So, They're like, by this time, because of all this confusion and they're torn because some really believed he was the savior because the disciples have watched him do so many things. They've watched him heal. They've watched him turn what water into wine. They've watched him, you know, just replenish all the things that they've needed all along the way. You all know of all the things that that he did in the sight of the disciples and so many more. So if I were a disciple, I often ask myself, how could they not know after watching the things that he did? But we're human. And Father, please thank you for for your grace and your mercy because we're human. And because some really believed he was the son, but others saw him as a rival because he was wrecking havoc upon their daily routines. All in all, he had to die. He had to die, not just to fulfill the gospel, but he had to die because they weren't siding with him. So follow me now to the book of Mark, where, like I said, I'm going to always give you that reference. So Mark 14, don't just take my word for it. Come down to uh, verse three. And beginning in Bethany at the house of Simon, remember Simon the leper, right? So here again is another work that he did. Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, the woman came in having an alabaster flask of very costly spikenard oil, right? You know how we heal and we like to anoint ourselves with our oil and our fragrances and things, but they're healing also. You know, was she came in with a very expensive jar of an oil that had an aroma to it as well. It was a perfume. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. So she started anointing him. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it may have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Now they're getting on her because she's anointing his head. And of course we know it's now starting to run down his body. But then we also know at this point, she does what? She starts using her hair to anoint him, to anoint his body. And all they're looking at is the cost of the oil. They're not even saying, I think I would have been like, woman, are you crazy? What what are you doing to him? right? These are his disciples around him. And this strange woman is walking up to him and she's pouring this oil on him. I think I would have been more so steadfast on what is going on more so than the price of the oil and what we could have done with it, right? But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So it did. What she did that day has gone and been passed on from generation to generation because it is written. It is written in the book. So now we all know what she did. But then Jesus Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest because see now Judas, excuse me, Judas Iscariot, he he was like pissed off. He's like, oh, I can't take this anymore. Now remember, this is his treasurer. This is his treasure. And now he's walking off to the point to say, I can't take this anymore. He's supposed to be on the team, right? And now he's even baffled at the things that he's seeing and so misconstrued that he goes to the chief priests. Remember, I said the law, the government, right? Oh, don't y'all get upset with me today, all right? Because those people with those titles in those high places, with the main ones that were looking at him in a derogative manner. So don't get upset with me today to those that hold the titles, all right? Or those that may be seated in the high places. I'll lead you back to scripture so that you can follow, not taking it for my word, all right? And on that Thursday, they moved on because there would be a feast called the Passover where the people were to remember this day for the sacrificial lamb and when they would be freed from Egypt. Do you remember the Passover during Moses time where they were given the sacrifice, the blood to put over their door seals, right? So that the angel of death would pass their house by. Well, this is now in the New Testament. They were saved from the blood. And, and now this is what the meal is for with Jesus. When Jesus is telling them that he will become that lamb whose blood we they poured over their door seals so that the death angel would pass them by. So now Jesus is letting them know that he is about to take that lamb's place. So this new meal and agreement would now change the holy covenant forever, a new promise that he would be their king and follow me now so that you won't just take my word for it as I keep telling you. To Mark, going back to Mark verse 14, excuse me, chapter 14, verses 24 through 28. And it reads, I'll try to give you, slow down to give you some time to get there. And he said to them, this is my blood of a new covenant, covenant, excuse me, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God, the fruit of the vine. He's not drinking any more wine with them. As they say, oh, Jesus drank wine. Yeah, but it wasn't the same as it is today for a inebriation or intoxication. Okay, it was yes, the blood. Now, the blood. We're looking at the wine as we, uh, as a supplicant for representation of his blood. So now he's telling them, "Yes, I will not drink any more of the fruit of the vine with you all until the day that I." crossed over. And when they had sung, excuse me, and when they had sung, and they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus predicted his denial then. But then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble. He's foretelling their future. He's telling them, I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to be traded. I am going to become that fruit of the vine so that you'll no longer have to make these sacrifices with the lamb anymore. Right? He's telling them. And then he's also saying, then when they sang after the supper, the hymn, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives, he's then telling them, all of you will stumble. You may be strong in my presence right now, but once I'm gone, you're not going to be so strong. And he predicts because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And I know they're looking at him like, no, rabbi, we've been together. We've been with you all this time. He says, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And they're still saying, "No, Rabbi. What are you talking about? We're here. We're right here with you." And and just knowing Peter as the bold one, the one that's been speaking for them all, all you know, he's like the, their leader, but he's also the one that has so much, you know, turmoil with an understanding what's going on here. And and just they're like, "No. You're right here with us. What are you talking about? It's just like I see you and I see you right here with me, but you're talking to me about a death that is to come. And I'm like, no, you're right here. Stop, stop, stop talking like that. What are you talking about? And surely after that supper, by that Friday, he is arrested and the false guilt of an innocent man Is being accepted by many, given a royal robe. They're mocking him now with the purple robe and the throne. Excuse me, the crown of thorns that they're pressing on his head and pushing the thorns down into his scalp until he bleeds. In the sign placed upon above his head that says Jesus is the King. Jesus' use is sovereignty. He could have stopped this at any time, but he knows that through his sovereignty, it is his job to die for all of us, not just me, not just my household. Remember the blood put over each one of us now for passing over. So he is now placing himself in the role of the lamb and that blood that he shared is now over each one of our door seals that believes, right, that believes. But what they did not realize is that this day, it was all going to be finished and is now called what we term as Good Friday. The day that he was arrested, we call it Good Friday. And you would say, what can be so good about that day? It's because what he has called to take place is now being fulfilled. And that is why on Good Friday, we look at it as Good Friday. And we normally will have a service to remember for those reasons, all that he said as he was about to die for us. Now back to the beginning. When our children start their spring break, they have no concept, many of them don't, of Good Friday. They look at this as a time that they're just out of school and what are we going to do? How much money are we going to spend? Where are we going to go? We have to remember to teach them about these things because this was done for us. And what they do not realize is that It was all finished and now called Good Friday so that the people would remember it from that day forward as the king of the universe has put an end to it all. We no longer have to sacrifice the lambs, the sheep, the doves, all those things, because he did it all. And if you would, don't take my word, follow me now to Mark 15 verse 17. When I talked about they clothed him in the purple robe and they twisted, they took their time. Somebody took their time and you think how warped can they be? They took their time to twist a crown of thorns so they could mock him and put it on his head. This was Friday. By that Saturday, Six days after they were just celebrating him. Remember, Hosanna on the Most High, riding in on the donkey, taking off their clothes, their garments, and laying them down for him to have passage. Just six days, family. Just six days. This would be now a week that he was tormented. Let it be known that on the seventh day, he would rest he would rest. That sixth day, his body was torn. He was beat. He was bruised. He was being mocked. He was being spit on. He was being challenged. Just last Saturday, come on, excuse me, just last Sunday, he was a hero. And now he is being beat to a pulp. And being tormented in just a week's worth of time. He now is resting from that torment on that Saturday. And he waged war and has won. He has won the war. Hallelujah. Jesus bore all of our sins during that torment, that time of torment. And there is nothing further for him to do. So now on this Saturday, he's resting. Everything that was set out for his assignment is done. And by Saturday on this day, we are free to join him in resting. So follow me again so you'll know the scripture for yourself. Mark 15, 33 through 39, and I'll soon be done. So just stay with me. Follow me to Mark 33, 39. Now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Tabat, which is translated, my God my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember, he was beat to a pulp, to beat so bad that none of us could ever imagine. And he's saying as he's hanging there, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by, when they heard that said, look at him, he's calling Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge, the nerve of them. It's like they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. They are still mocking him, family, even after all this. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last breath. And then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, I want to pause there. Do we realize that this veil used to be used to separate when the priests, when people would go for prayer so they would be behind the veil? Well, now, by this veil being ripped in two, there's no more hiding. There's no more You go behind there to pray because now everything is open for everyone to see when this veil is torn in two, from top to bottom, totally torn in half. Mm. Now, join me back at verse 39. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said. Truly, did you hear me say the centurion? That's one of the guards that were there witnessing all of this. After he saw that veil, torn in two, he said the centurion, the guard, also a guard of some rank. Remember we talked about the titles earlier, right? Truly, this man was the son of God because he just witnessed what's happened. Jesus came to tell the truth. The removal of the veil, no more hiding. On Sunday, the resurrection. But remember, on Saturday, he died. He went down, and another lesson we know, he went down to hell during that time. And he fought another battle for us because he came up triumphant with the keys in his hand.